Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to take a moment to say thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Irv Jones, and Varsity Spirit. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to say thank you to our platinum sponsors, including Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. And Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Carrie Avila. She is a certified athletic administrator and she's the director of athletics at Salome High School in Salome, Arizona. Carrie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, we're very excited. Uh, um, as we were talking before we came on, uh, it's a busy time for athletic directors, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, where you went to college, and uh, maybe how your love of sports led to this position in athletic administration. All right. So um, I was born and raised in Salome, Arizona, or about 100 miles west of Phoenix. Um, my dad ranches. My mom works at one of the schools. That's kind of how small towns are. Um, everybody works at a school or on the farm. Um, I went to Salome High School, where I work. I was a frog. Um, I attended Phoenix College. I attended Arizona State University. I never planned to move back here. It's one, it's, it's one of those small towns where the kids can't wait to leave. Um, and life has its own plans. I think things work out the way that they're supposed to. Um, my husband was deployed. We had a nine month old son and I was 21 years old. And I said, I can't live in the middle of Phoenix, a huge city with a baby you know, by myself. I had family around, but um, I decided to move back home. He's in the National Guard too, he's on 15 months. And um, the superintendent at the time said, you know, if you ever want a job, you can come work at the school. And I was like, no way, I don't want to work at the school. <laughs> um, and so I worked as an aide for a year in the office and uh, classroom aide. And my plan was to always move back to Phoenix. And my husband was getting ready to come home from deployment. And he said, you know, we're going to raise our kids there. This is where we need to be. So I accepted the job as the um, English teacher. So I ended up teaching English for seven years. Um, I'm now in my 15th year working here in my um, eighth year as the athletic director, second year as the Dean of Students. I'm the uh, academic advisor. I've done student council for 14 years. So I always joke that I've done every job here except for drive the bus and cut the grass. And um, one day I almost had to cut the grass. So <laughs> I'll be careful about that. But um, my husband and I raise our, our three kids. We have a 15 year old son. He's a freshman this year. So we're getting to experience what COVID is doing to you know, our students and um, just the effects it's having on our athletics. 
We have an 11-year-old Tyler, 8-year-old Carla. They better say their names so they don't feel left out. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I'll, as I'm sure we'll get to, you know, that support system, your family, that you have. Um, my, my kids and my husband are the last ones out the gate when I lock the gate after a game. So um, that's kind of, that's about me. <laughs> Now, again, it's always great to hear uh, the stories about, you know, how you got to where you're at. I can certainly relate to that. You know, my wife is a career teacher and coach. Our kids, as they were growing up, uh, we had three in high school at the same time and college. I don't recommend that. But, uh, you know, they're, they were at sports when they were little kids and they ended up doing sports. All three did sports in college. So uh, uh, you got something to look forward to. No question about it. Yeah. Um, you touched on it a little bit, but um, we always like to uh, hear about the mentors that uh, you had in your life. In our business, leadership and mentoring is such a big part. So uh, who are some of your um, other mentors, you know, growing up? Uh, the expression that I like to use is I still hear those voices in my head uh, when I'm talking to a kid or a coach or sometimes a parent. So whose voice do you still hear? Oh, man, um, definitely coaches. Um you know, I think it starts at home. Parents, your, my parents were always supportive. I'm grateful to have them near. Um, coaching can be long days, late nights. You have to have that support system. Um, but my teachers and my coaches, I always saw my teachers taking on those extra extra responsibilities. When you're in a small school, you have to. Um, and your students notice. They notice when you're, the teachers are there at their games. They notice when they travel. Absolutely. I remember our yearbook teacher driving three hours to a track meet in her personal vehicle to make sure that we could go take pictures of the track team. Um, that that stood out to me. Um, I, I've had the opportunity to, I had great coaches in high school, um, but I've also had the opportunity to learn from some great coaches. I assisted um, a couple of coaches that I learned a lot from and have helped me develop my own coaching philosophy and how how you set expectations for your team and set that positive culture. Um, and by by being able to be around those people, you kind of learn what's effective. You see the stu those student athletes respond to them. Um, I think that's important if you're a head coach or even as an athletic director to go visit those practices, learn from those coaches, just see how they handle different situations. Um, I enjoy going, I've had the opportunity to go some, to some track meets with our head track coach and just to see how she interacts. And I still learn because I'm still, um, I kind of skipped over that earlier, I guess. I think you asked about that. Um, I st I'm still our head volleyball coach. And so I'm always learning. Um, oh, absolutely. Those relationships that you build and, and just, you know, watching a master coach at work. And you think to yourself, gosh, you know, I, I can do that or I should do that. And, right. and you add that little tool to your toolbox. Uh, plus the dean of students, goodness gracious. You know, I, uh, I took a break from being an AD uh, for two years and served as a dean at one of our schools and really enjoyed it. Um, but I found out uh, I, I liked being a dean, but I loved being an athletic director. So uh, I took a position at another school as an AD. So my hat's off to you wearing all those hats. <laughs> That's definitely my favorite part of the job being an athletic director. Um, I would say like currently, my biggest mentors have been other ADs, other athletic directors. Um, our previous superintendent is still someone I reach out to. He was our athletic director. He was my high school basketball coach. He was a basketball coach that I was able to assist. I've learned a ton from him. Our current basketball coach says, 
he's glad he got to assist for him because, you know, he'll kind of, he'd pull you aside and say, now in this situation, you do this. Um, I, I'm just grateful to have a list of athletic directors from around the state and the country that I can, I consider friends. I can call them. I text them. Um, I have a question or I just need confirmation. I need some encouragement. Am I making the right call here? Um, when I knew it was a possibility that I might get this position, I said, I'm, I'm a female. That scared me. It did scare me to take on the job as a woman. Um, and I was told it doesn't matter. You attend everything, you meet everybody you can, and the advice has served me well. So having that, that the athletic directors that just not, and I say across the country, I literally mean across the country. I know that's how I met you in the spring. I was in one of your webinars while we're in, all in quarantine. I reached out to you, hey, I really liked your PowerPoint. And um, I just think that's, it's invaluable to have those connections and build those relationships. I mean, the networking uh, and now with, you know, Zoom and the, the workshops, et cetera, is, is just tremendous. Uh, just before we came on the air, uh, Carrie was uh, Zooming uh, with her state as far as return to play. So share a little bit with um, our listeners about your journey uh, with your state association and also, you know, with NIAAA, you know, you're getting your certification, you know, kind of walk our younger ADs through that process. How did that all play out? All right. Um, so um, I think I, I should go back and say how I became the athletic director. So um, there's kind of a joke with some of our ADs and our in schools my size, you won't find an application for this position with my name on it. Um, I became the athletic director when our, our superintendent moved on when he was the athletic director and there was somebody that was there for a short time and there was a fellow coach and I, we found um, there aren't a lot of co-athletic directors and we got called in in November and said hey the job's open and you both got it so we don't have an assistant AD here we don't have a secretary it's the AD and the coaches um, so I got to spend about a year and a half um, we call we called each other our co co my co-AD Chris um, I'm so glad I got to learn on the job with somebody like him I miss him um, but we kind of went, we, we get this email from Joni about the AIAAA. Well, what's the AIAAA? Uh, you can go to that, you should go. So we, we went, um, I think it was 2015. Um, that's when I really started to get involved. Uh, Arizona hosted the national conference in 2017. And at that point I was on the board. So I'm the um, AIAAA 1A representative. And I just was like, what, what? going on you know I didn't know what national conference was and and I got to help plan one so that was that was really fun um getting to meet all the great people that are part of the NIAAA um it was so surreal you witness the opportunities that are offered and you get to take it all in and I just it was like that is this am I really part of such such a great organization and people are coming up to you and going oh this is a great conference and I'm like did I really take part in this um, but that's when I really started to understand the importance of the networking and furthering myself professionally. So I began taking those LTI courses. Um, I took advantage of the webinars, like I said, um, in the spring, a lot, a lot of stuff came out with everybody working from home or um, with being quarantined. Um, like, and I just passed the CAA exam during the national conference in December. I have never been so nervous <laughs> for an exam. Um, and it was, I just kind of put it off. And so that's, 
one of my recommendations for any new AD, get involved, reach out to your state association, um, get on your board, get involved. Um, last summer, I had the opportunity as a state president to go to the section seven meeting in Hawaii. And they were teasing me. I'm like, oh, I'm nervous to go to Hawaii. And they're like, nobody says no, like you have to go. <laughs> and that was really cool to, to go and meet it's cool to go to Hawaii, obviously, but yes, it was it really, yeah, <laughs> it was really cool to go um, and have those more kind of one-on-one -on -one conversations with people at the Section 7 meeting, talk about challenges that other schools face. I think sometimes we think that our challenges are unique to us. We feel alone. And when we do get to sit down, we find, okay, I have 120 students and you have 4,000. We're facing the same exact challenges with parents or community or coaches or whatever it might be. We're not alone. And I think that's important to find. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, our Section 3 meeting is up in Georgia. And uh, I wonder if we could ever get them to switch that to Hawaii. And that would be, right. uh, <laughs> that'd be something. But yeah. no, I appreciate you sharing that. And again, just, it's just, you know, embracing that, you know, lifelong learning and, and building and expanding that network. Uh, because down the road, you know, you're going to be the people that, uh, uh, you're going to be the person that other people are calling uh, for that help and assistance. So yeah, appreciate you doing that. Um, you know, you've had a chance to, um, you know, build your program there. You, you can see it from the perspective as a former student athlete. You've also been exposed to a lot of different programs uh, around the country. So I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Okay. Um, what's a program that you have at your school that, your coaches do. Uh, maybe it's an initiative that you actually started, but something that you're particularly proud of that you could say with uh, equal parts pride and humility, we do this better than anybody else. You know, what's a best practice that you can share with us? I don't know that we have one thing that I could say, um, like this is our program, this is what it is. Um, one thing I think that we do really well um, that, you know, they always say, don't reinvent the wheel but you do need to evaluate it and adapt your wheel. <laughs> um, I think we're constantly evaluating our program effectiveness, our participation. Um, we're the second largest land-wise district in Arizona. We are the single largest one school district. So I think we're 3,200 square miles. Our farthest student lives 85 miles away. We're not a boarding school. That kid gets on the bus, comes to school, 85 miles one way, gets on the bus and goes home. Um, so evaluating how, how do we meet the needs of those students? Um, a few years ago, we said, you know, our, our participation is down. We surveyed, why aren't you playing? Would you play if you lived closer? What, you know, what's keeping you from playing? Um, we ended up changing our whole master schedule, our, our class schedule to integrate practice time into our school time. We need, we were short on bus drivers. We had to, you know, get those um, practice runs cut down and so we ran a two-hour practice from two to four everybody went to school till four o'clock and it helped our participation numbers went up um, after a couple years we're like okay now we have 31 kids on the volleyball team and what do we need to do <laughs> um, so we reevaluated again and I, I think just being being able to do that and having a supportive administration a supportive board that is saying yeah, go do this, go find out what your, what your parents, what your families, what your students need, what's the best for your community. Um, I don't think every school has that opportunity and flexibility. 
say, hey, we only had seven kids come out for baseball. We need to do something to save the program. Okay, let's, let's do it. And we get 17 kids out when we only have 120 kids in school. So I think that that's one of the things I'm proud of, that we I'm able to gather that data and I have the support to do so. Oh, anytime you can um, service your students, you know, increase participation and you've got your uh, district, uh, you know, superintendent behind that, you know, that's, uh, you know, wins all the way around. Uh, I know you said you just got your CAA, but that sounds like a great CMA or a CAA, but that sounds like a great CMA project, you know, how to service uh, students in a rural setting, uh, you know, great stuff. You know, let me know if you want to want some help with that. Oh, I probably will. <laughs> okay. um, let's go ahead and jump into uh, the COVID discussion. Uh, one thing that we've seen in almost a year of having to deal with COVID uh, to our listeners, we're recording this in January. Um, one thing we've seen is that there is no one single plan. Uh, we've had some states that have come back full speed. Uh, other states are still, uh, as we're speaking now, um, not offering sports. So Carrie, uh, share with our listeners, you know, what's happening uh, right now at your school, what's happening in Arizona, as far as um, not just return to play, but also return to school, you know, what's going on? Okay, so we started off the school year, um, Arizona was not able to go in person until August 17th. That may sound early for some, um, but here we usually start uh, first week of August, some schools start in July. So we did online. Um, our school stayed online for the first quarter. A lot of schools did. A lot of schools stayed online or distance learning, whatever, um, for the first semester. We, we were online first quarter, in person second quarter, and parents had a choice to keep their kids home or not. We did have fall sports. Um, it was delayed a little bit, a shortened season. Normally we would have a nine-week football season. We had a seven-week football season. Um, playoffs were a little bit later. So every school had to determine what they were going to do for their fans, how many fans could they have. Winter supposed to start in December. It was pushed back to January. And I kind of laughed. I said, wait, let's, let's wait and schedule for January so I can host a basketball game and tell you what it was like. So basketball is delayed to January 18th. <laughs> Friday, um, our executive board at the state level decided to cancel our winter season. Um, as we speak, they're having a meeting right now, um, and it looks like they voted to cancel winter sports. So oh <laughs> our kids have been practicing for two months, um, and that so that's a little heartbreaking. Our you know we've been following everything we've got to do, taking temperatures, sanitizing equipment. Um, it's heartbreaking for our seniors. It's for all of our student athletes, um, but. We have some schools that are in session right now. We're online Tuesday, the 19th. We're coming back to school in person. Um, but it's, I, I think nobody really has the right answer on what to do. For we, the decision to cancel, I mean, is Arizona experiencing, um, you know, spiking or, or higher infection rates? I mean, what's what's the reasoning for that? The, the word is that Arizona this week uh, has the highest number of cases per capita in the world. So, I thought I heard that same thing applied to a different state uh, just yeah. a, a couple of days ago, but uh, yeah. 
Yeah. That's yeah. been my frustration. And, and again, in Florida, um, we delayed for a month. Uh, we normally start August 1st and, uh, you know, we're done with fall sports. We're into winter uh, and things are, you know, pretty much progressing. But um, even back in August, when they were talking about a delay, you know, you would see, um, you know, here's a state that we're going to go ahead. Uh, we're going to do sports. We're going to come back to school. And they have metropolitan areas. They have rural areas. You know, they, they've got it all. And an adjacent state right next to them, same demographics, uh, they've gone 180 degrees the opposite way. You know, we're shutting down. And both states, this was the frustrating part for me, both states are citing their own sports medicine advisory committee recommendations. And, and my, my gripe was that science should be a little more consistent, okay? You know, I, I understand that, um, you know, let's say, you know, Arizona is different from, you know, Florida or Rhode Island or something like that, but these are two adjacent states, mm -hmm. you know, same demographics. So, gosh, I feel bad for you. I feel bad for your kids. Well, now I just got, I take that back now. I got another message that says somebody changed their vote. So I guess it's not final yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing, nothing uh, final ever right now. This is going to be airing in March, so uh, hopefully uh, by the time people are listening to this, Arizona is up and running, and uh, you know all the kids are out there safely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we're trying to protect spring sports at all costs. Really, I think that's the that's the goal. <laughs> that's what we lost out on. Oh, absolutely. Nobody yeah. wants to go through that for any sports, but let alone uh, you know have spring take that double whammy. Okay? Right. Um. Carrie, another question we've been asking the athletic director since we started this, uh, you know, about six and a half months ago, uh, has to do with this idea of um, social awareness and social justice. And, and my question is this, you know, what are some things that we can do as athletic administrators? What are some things that we can do better uh, with our kids, with our programs in this area of, you know, social awareness? I think the number one thing is to listen, listen and be aware. Um, listen to your athletes, listen to your parents, listen to your community, listen to the concerns of your, of your school community. It's, it's being aware of what their desires are, what's, but not just necessarily what they want, but also in the best interest of your, your student athletes, again, your parents, um, I think just having that awareness. You know, have you you seen anything, or are you have you guys done anything specific with your coaches, your kids, or community um, in this area that you know other schools might benefit from? We have not. Um, I know Arizona has the new. We have a new initiative, the Inside Out initiative, um, that's kind of rolling out. Um, but I would my I would like to get more. Um, more of those things for our coaches to start with. We only have um, six head coaches. We have eight sports, six head coaches, and I'm one of them. So we have a really small coaching staff. So whenever we do need something or have something, it is kind of easy for us to get together. Um, but no, we have not implemented anything official like that, okay. unfortunately. Well, again, you know, you're probably doing a good job with your kids uh, that it hasn't been you know, that much of an issue that you've had to deal with it. But uh, yeah. again, uh, you know, 
as you mentioned, you've got a network out there, you know, feel free to reach out uh, uh, if you're looking for some resources on that. Yeah. Let's go ahead and uh, lighten it up a little bit. Um, okay. I also ask our ADs, um, you know, what's your favorite part of the job? And right. after, you know, 65 uh, interviews, uh, they all said the same thing. Oh, it's the kids. And yeah. of course, it, it should be the kids. You know, why else are you an athletic director if you don't love working with kids? But if we acknowledge that you love your kids and that's a big part of your uh, job satisfaction, what are some other things that get you excited about coming to work each day? What do you really love about the job? So and my favorite part is um, I do love being involved in my community. This is my home. Um, this is my school. This is, I take great pride in it. So getting to be a part of the school that is the most involved in the community in athletics, um, that's my favorite part. I get to know, like you said, the students. I get to know our athletes. Um, when they first come to school, I see them come in as a little 14-year-old and then I see them graduate and I'm there bawling my eyes out at their graduation. Um, I build those relationships with them and their families. Um, I That's my favorite. It's those, their parents, I see them out and about, I can see them in the store. I know them, we've built those relationships. Um, and the networking, I get, I look forward to coming to work and, and getting to talk to other people that are doing what I'm doing, the friendships that I've made, the relationships that I've built with them. Um, and knowing, uh, I, you know, now it's so different um, just over the last 15 or 20 years. I think we see all the bad things with social, social media. Um, there's so much positive. I get to go and meet those parents and become friends with them. And I follow their athletes too. I'm not just following mine now. They're at rival schools. I'm cheering for their kids at a state playoff game because I've been watching them play. Um, or I've, I've known them since they were in middle school because they were on the sidelines watching their older brother or sister play. And that's just really, really cool when that kid runs up and they're like, hey, and they're like, oh, somebody goes, oh, you know them, they're from the other school. Yeah, I know their parents and I follow them on, you know, they went on vacation. <laughs> um, so getting to build those relationships, not just in my own community, but with other athletic directors and the, their families and their coaches and their athletes. It's just a, a really unique thing to be a part of that I don't think everybody gets to do. You're, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I, I started out, I spent my first, eh, let's say, 15, 16 years, public schools, big public schools. I went to a big public school and uh, then coached college for a while. And then the last 25 years or so have been at, you know, smaller, you know, private, you know, and some Christian schools. And it's a, as you said, a very unique experience uh, that I wish everybody had a chance to uh uh, be a part of, you know, those relationships, whether it's with your coaches or with the uh, people in the community, uh, you, you just can't find it anywhere. So uh, I know exactly what you're talking about uh, when you talk about those relationships. Yeah. Um, Carrie, this has been great catching up with you, um, but we're not done yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Uh, now, you're certainly an experienced AD, very successful AD, but uh, right now I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job. Okay. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. Okay. What three items are going to go in Carrie Avila's <laughs> athletic director toolbox? 
All right. Uh, number one, network. I know I've said that throughout this whole, the last 30 minutes, network. Um, I have I have a joke. I, I wrote a thing about how the first phone call I got as an athletic director, I was like, I don't know this guy. And I went to my boss and he said, that's your guy. If he calls, you answer. And if you need something, I'm going to call him out. He's Lee Haas from Fort Thomas. <laughs> and if he doesn't know it, he's, he's the person that I was told, when you have a problem, call him. He'll help you out. And he does. So network, find those people that have your, have your long list of people, but have your short list. Those people you can call on a Sunday night at 10 o'clock to have a problem and they're going to answer. Um, get involved in your state association and um, the NIAAA. That's, if, if you can't figure out how to network, that's going to do it for you right there. Um, number two is communicate. You've got to communicate with your coaches, your, your admin. You have to communicate with your administrators. They don't want to be surprised by anything. Communicate with your parents. People look to you for answers. You may not always have them, but if you're genuine and truthful, uh, they know and respect that you're going to find out. You know, that's you might be the person getting those calls late at night, but it's because you you are open and you can communicate and you'll find out what people want to know. And they they do put that trust in you as the athletic director. Um, and support. You got to support your coaches in their endeavors and their growth as leaders. I wouldn't be in this position if somebody didn't encourage me and support me. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. And I think it's, it's so important. I have coaches that I'm like, hey, I, you know, I, I want to push them into some leadership and get them involved. And so those are my three things. You're, you got to network, you got to communi communicate, you got to support those that are supporting you. Because there's no way I could do this job without my coaches and staff. Oh, great, great advice. You know, I love all three of them. Communication, we talk about this idea of over-communicating. And you yeah. mentioned all the different factions, you know, your coaches, your bosses, no surprises, as mm -hmm. well as the parents. Uh, you know, great, great stuff. Hmm? Carrie, thanks so much for being with us today and uh, continued. We hope uh, good luck with uh, returning to play for Arizona. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Uh, we enjoyed having you. To our listeners, remember the Zoom recordings of these interviews are also available on the FIAAA Educational Athletic Director YouTube channel. Uh, thanks for listening. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD.